11.1, we read, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And from John chapter 7, verses 7 to 15, we read, A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. Amen. In speaking to people who profess Christ, one question that continually comes to me is, how can I learn to pray? Or, I have the desire to pray, but every time I try, I just end up frustrated. I've also found that those who do not profess Christ in their lives are often open to praying, though they may not be open to the church. You know what is said that in foxholes, even atheists pray. There seems to be within each of us something that draws us to pray. I believe this has to do with how we're made, that we were created for a relationship with God, and this divine intention is part of our human nature. We are hardwired for prayer. Now, we can stifle such spiritual drives, but we do so by ignoring our own nature, and to do that only mitigates towards our harm. In the gospel, there are several places where we read a sentence or two that reports that after Jesus had spent a day ministering to the crowds, he would often separate himself, find a secluded place, and spend time with his father praying. It almost seems that the more he ministered, the more he gave, the more he needed that time alone, praying. Well, as all good disciples do, They were watching the master as he did this. They must have seen a quality in Jesus and in his praying that provoked in them a desire to pray as well, to pray in the direction that he prayed. So they asked him, Master, teach us to pray. That is our request of Christ as we start this study on prayer. We echo what the twelve asked Jesus, Lord, come teach us to pray. This is our first prayer. There are beginning of prayer, as we recognize that is it is only as the Lord is intimately involved in all aspects of our praying 
that we will see any fruit from this. So what is prayer? Well, there are two ways to answer this, one in a simple sense and one in a more expansive sense. Prayer is, in its most simple meaning, a conversation with God. We talk to God, he listens, then God talks to us, and we listen. Simple as this may seem, it is true prayer. However, for the vast majority of people praying, this understanding is problematic. We rarely or never give time in prayer for listening. Instead, prayer seems to be a one-direction request line. We have a need, and we send it up to God, but we never expect God to speak to us. Rather, all we wish of God is that he would meet the need and, and take care of us. To see prayer in this way, to function in prayer in this manner, leads to all kinds of frustration. A more expansive view of prayer is that it is communication in a lived-out intimate relationship between God and a human person. It is communication, but before it is that, it is relationship. The difference between these two understandings of prayer might be illustrated like this. If I go into a hardware store in a town where I have never been before, and I begin talking to the clerk behind the counter, I have to use words. For she doesn't know me, and she doesn't understand how I think. She has had no relationship with me. The second view of prayer is more like being married or having a very intense relationship with somebody. I can communicate with them with words and often do. But at times, I can communicate with them with a look or with a disposition of my body or even with a touch. In such an intimate relationship, just being with each other communicates something. That is more like the expansive view of prayer. I believe that this is the reality of prayer that the disciples saw in Christ, and it is to that they asked, Lord, teach us to pray. Maybe a better way to see this is to look at John chapter 4, the story of the woman at the well, and see how prayer is illustrated or demonstrated there. In John chapter 4, we read of a woman who is thirsty comes to a well to slake her thirst. She does not anticipate it, but that in the need, in her thirst, Christ comes to meet her. And here is the marvel. It is Christ who first comes to us and asks us for a drink. Jesus thirst, and his thirst is for us. That's why he came to this well. That's why he came to the woman. He comes to this woman because Father God desires a relationship with her. Whether we realize it or not, prayer is first a movement of God towards us, an encounter of his desire and ours. St. Augustine said it this way, God thirst that we might thirst for God. In prayer, the God who is faithful is always the one to first initiate the relationship, the encounter. Our act of prayer is always a response. And as a life of prayer develops in a person, 
they then begin to perceive that the grace of God always comes first. In the middle of their conversation, Jesus gets to the point, to the reason of why he was there. He told her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I wonder if the woman realized that Jesus had come there specifically for her. If she had, Jesus says she would have asked for a more substantial gift that quenches the most deep of all thirst, and she would have received it, a relationship with the true and living Savior, God Almighty even. As I have said, prayer is a relationship, and more specifically, a covenant relationship between God and man as he is in Christ. It is the action of God and man springing forth from the Holy Spirit and the individual directed to the Father in unity with Christ. It issues from the heart. According to the Hebrew language, the heart is the place where we dwell or the place to which I withdraw. It has been described as our hidden center beyond the grasp of reason or others. It is the place of the soul where we make our decisions and keep our loyalties. It is the place of covenant. The Holy Spirit claims the heart as its dwelling place or temple. It is here where we first live out our relationship with God. If that is the reality of prayer in a more expansive view, then why are we so frustrated when it comes to praying? The easy answers are, we want it, and we want it now. We don't know what to say, and pausing for any length of time to listen is difficult or odd for us. And maybe we just don't know how to begin. I don't want to make light of such answers, but they are mere mechanics. God is patient, and he rejoices in our prayers no matter how awkward we are in praying. To begin with, we ought to leave the time and way of God's answers up to him. He's God, we're not. As far as the content of our prayers, start with being brutally honest, just that. Refuse to play games in your conversation with God. Not to be cliche, but finally, just do it. Leave the beginning and the effectiveness up to the Lord. Even in this, many of the followers of Christ who have prayed for all their lives sense a level of frustration in their praying. They may pray every day, but why is there not a constant joy and peace derived from it? If we start with the view of prayer as relationship, there are other issues that we may need to address, deep issues, that may have remained in place for years, decades maybe. When we see prayer as a relationship, not an exchange, we are brought to the act that of keeping our gaze on the one we're following. We are submitted to him as Lord, giving up our will for his. When we have our attention on Christ, we see his humility, how he humbled himself in serving us and saving us. This provokes the desire to be like him, where I need to listen. Indeed, I want to listen and then please In that humility taken upon myself, there comes a readiness to obey rather than to demand. 
Such humility also leads us to question our own hearts, where our affections are, to whom do our choices serve. When the heart is bent towards other things rather than Jesus, we will become frustrated in our praying. More than anything else, the humility of Christ taken upon ourselves will lead us to pray within the dimensions of Christ's love. Love, as demonstrated by God, is a self-giving for the good of the beloved. It no longer seeks to please the self, but finds pleasure in blessing the other, even if that means sacrifice. Concerning prayer, humility is the path that leads to intimacy and satisfaction. That humility may take many attempts, many moments for you to arrive. We may never fully get there in this life, yet the humble act of prayer and its subsequent obedience will never leave the disciple frustrated. The Lord delights to be with him. So we begin this journey imperfectly. We're not equipped. We're not smart enough. And we are selfish a lot of the time. Yet our hearts tell us to go forward boldly, believing God, believing that he hears this first prayer and that he's for us in our praying. Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Christ, we come humbly before you. And out of a desire to be with you, a desire to hear God, our Father, a desire for your blessed Holy Spirit, we ask that you would teach us how to pray. Lord, that you would foster in our hearts an openness to you that we have never experienced before, an openness to your will and open us to your desire. Lord, too often we come from our own selfishness and we pray for me. Our focus is on ourselves alone and we feel frustrated. We somehow know, Lord, that this thing called prayer should be more. As we begin to pray, Lord, Come work this more into our prayer life. We acknowledge that only you can do so, that we are weak and feeble in this regard. Come, Lord, do your will. Humble us and teach us to pray. Amen and amen. Amen.